0: Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 530 on Tuesday, the 20th of June, 2023. Hello, I'm Alan.
1: Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week we'll be discussing how more is suddenly better than less for one company. New New Car News brings us another EV estate. Yay! And the lunchtime read gives you another reason to visit Lake Como if you need one. But first we have a smidgen of follow-up and a surprising one, actually out of the blue came a letter from the NHTSA to US car companies to say do not comply with Massachusetts 2020 right to repair initiative They cited the usual stuff that comes up when it's right to repair that there is risk of malicious actions by naughty people and if anybody can get access then all terrible things can happen etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm. All the stuff that was been discussed at length, for many years, with the John Deere right to repair fight, that was all sorted out recently. That we covered on here. Yep, uh, I've seen a copy of the letter actually, and it is really just repeating the same. I'll be kind inverted commas concerns from from manufacturers because a group of manufacturers actually tried to get this banned by taking it to court. Yeah, and the judge said uh, this was back in uh, April, I think think but the judge chucked it out and said no it's tough luck but NHTSA is saying that the federal law overrides this and that takes precedence over it. Mm. NHTSA also said uh, they'd heard that some manufacturers is going to switch off the ability to get access to telematic data and they went don't do that because we need that information because it helps with accidents and uh, any problems with cars etc." There has been some, some, there's been a lot of fight back against this move. Yeah. Um, There is a a second article in the show notes from Hot Hardware, one of our usual (laughs) sources of information.
0: Not as dodgy as it sounds, everyone. I know it does.
1: (laughs) No, no, it is not as dodgy as it sounds. But they have an interesting article where one of the quotes, which I think is very pertinent, it comes from Vice Motherboard that has spoken to a right-to-repair lobbyist who states, if it is impossible to provide secure access to me, the car owner, for the data transmitted by my car, then the car is insecure. And, indeed, security through obscurity is a widely disparaged practice among cybersecurity experts.
0: This is really, I think it depends who has the best-paying lobbyists. Yeah. Because the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, prepared a report for Congress in 2021, which, according to the Pot Hardware article, analysed all the manufacturer's arguments against this right to repair legislation and essentially said that none of them made any sense. To quote from that via Hot Hardware, the record contains no empirical evidence to suggest that independent repair shops are more or less likely than authorized repair shops to compromise or misuse customer data. The record supports arguments that consumers and independent repair shops would be equally capable of minimizing cybersecurity risks as are authorized repairers. In other words, nobody's better than anyone else in this. Yeah. Essentially, don't pretend that dealers are some magic den of secure awesomeness
1: yeah no not at all uh, i also saw a lot of pushback on the person who wrote the letter on behalf of nhtsa and signed it and their apparent involvement in the right to repair fights previously and which side of that they were on so take us that with a pinch of salt but mm, if that does prove to be right that's very interesting mm lose the case and still fight it yeah anyway take us to some new news
0: some new news this week comes from volkswagen it is looking to sell more cars why well previously their strategy had been to sell fewer cars and so the new strategy is to sell more cars to make money okay previously fewer cars were going to make more money as well But now it's more cars.
1: And they did, didn't they? Because they made eye-watering profits, one might say. Well,
0: they did, yes. Yes, yes. In all seriousness, they they did. The whole strategy is around, seems, according to all the various articles on this, seems to be around return on sales. Uh, And they're looking for 6.5% return on sales by 2026. And this is under a performance program called Accelerate Forward. Strange type of punctuation that's just a line that I don't know the proper name for road to 6.5. Um, so yeah, we've got our new strategy. Uh, how many weeks has it been since the last strategy, Andrew?
1: I don't know. Have we reached double figures? Oh, possibly. Yes. Oh,
0: dear me. Sorry, from a professional cap on, it's just like, oh, make up your ruddy minds and just do it, would you?
1: Well, from the motoring podcast point of view, please just make up your mind because we have to keep mentioning this.
0: It's a bored of this. One of the things they're going to do less of uh, which will bring more, is to focus more on volume models. That means that the Arteon and other lower volume models will be discontinued. I think this is the start. Is it the start? It's probably the continuation of the, you know how the German manufacturers were trying to fill every segment? Yeah. And then every sub-segment and every sub sub-segment, if you wanted a performance coupe SUV with seven seats, you could get that from yes. a German manufacturer. I think that this is the, This is the contraction of that particular lunacy.
1: It's a bit like the centralization and decentralization that goes through politics. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's the cycle of that that went, oh, we've done that, and now we need to do something different to make it look like we're being proactive.
0: We can save money by decentralizing. We haven't saved money. We can save money by centralizing. We haven't saved money. Yeah. The good news is that this will reduce complexity and deliver higher profits. Volkswagen very much focusing on profit, 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 profit as part of this, this latest
1: round of, of changes. I notice in the Electrive article that we have linked that there's talk about the entry-level electric car. And now it seems to be at €25,000 when I thought it was going to be at €20,000 previously. And we scoffed at that figure and thought, how on earth are they going to manage that? Because no one can. Yes, That seems to have changed. If you're interested in stuff, if you want to see the amount of stuff they are fiddling with, to including Lean Project Management Office. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Sorry. Okay. Yes. Whoa. Again, trying not to go to LinkedIn.
0: <laughs> Why are you telling people, this is JLR levels. Why are you telling people, oh, we're doing Lean Six Sigma. It's like everybody's been doing Lean Six Sigma for the last 20 years. Shuffling around to desks in the mailroom, which is what that essentially adds up to. And I say this as a process modeling expert is not really going to make big wins. Wonderful. Well done, buzzword club.
1: I get the feeling that it's like we said last week or the week before when talking about JLR, a lot of noise is being made to make it appear as though things are happening in a proactive and positive manner. Uh, When some of the stuff you read about, you go, well, why weren't you doing that before?
0: This is a month's worth of people not being able to do the work they're meant to be doing because they're having to rejig PowerPoint packs and spreadsheets.
1: And add new logos.
0: And swap around logos, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's okay because it's coming into intern season and they can do all of that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Shall we move on to what it means to some of the cars, though?
0: Yes, let's. First up, Euro 7 coming in, obviously. Well. Well, I say obviously, I don't actually mean (laughs) obviously. It's
1: due, but we still don't know what the format is going to be because there's a lot of lobbying going on right now.
0: But according to Volkswagen, uh, the format means that the Golf will no longer have a manual gearbox.
1: If it comes in in the way that the last report stated it would come in.
0: And this is supposedly a landmark moment.
1: Yeah. The Golf GTI is one of the cars included, but we'll lose... Uh, lose the manual gearbox but the rest of the Golf lineup will too. I don't understand what mega differences is going to make particularly not for most of the range it won't.
0: Can to change gears
1: yourself Andrew. I've got to. It's the, the law. Makes you more connected with the road.
0: Yes it's fun it's always fun changing gears manually.
1: When so much of the car is synthesized for you anyway already. <laughs> that sound? That's really the exhaust? No. Exactly. Hmm. But don't get me wrong, before anyone gets all up to you, some cars and some journeys, a manual gearbox is great fun. Most of us having to get around, it is not. Which is what most Golfs are. Yeah. Similarly,
0: other similar vehicles are available, and the same applies to them too.
1: Yeah. But that's not where all the fettling finishes, oh, though. We will uh, eventually finish. It
0: sounds, like, it sounds like we're really laying into Volkswagen this week. And it's not intentional. It's just because it happens.
1: Yeah, but you give us all that information and and presented in that way, there isn't a lot of choice for us. No, well, exactly.
0: That's true. It's true. Uh,
1: Thomas Schaffer, the CEO of Volkswagen, has also acknowledged the poor reception of their interiors when they went touchscreen only. And to quote him, he said, uh, definitely did a lot of damage to the brand's cars. So what he has pledged is for a simpler and more functional interior in all their future cars, which is going to start with the next generation Tiguan. Can I just go ahead? Sorry. You
0: see, the trouble is that this is hitting both of my careers so far. And so he added, uh, definitely did a lot of damage. He said, we had frustrated customers who shouldn't be frustrated. So we spent a lot of time now working through really systematically and what the functions are that a customer usually touches when using a vehicle. We rank them. What are the most important ones? What ones need to go on buttons? Which one needs to go on screen? First level, second level. Third. What do you intuitively wish for when you want to switch on the light? In the nicest possible way. This is fundamental stuff. Yeah. And quite frankly, Volkswagen has been a car manufacturer for what? 75
1: years? Something like that, yes. How do you not know this? This is incredible. Total contrast to one of their interior designers who said, We couldn't work out what people pressed most, so we've just decided to remove all buttons. And that was only a few weeks ago when they doubled down on, No, you're not getting buttons back. We
0: worked through this with a massive team. It took us quite a bit of time. It was an Excel spreadsheet as big as a room,
1: but you have to do that. You note that what you said earlier about us mocking Volkswagen, but I'm sorry, if within a few weeks, you are doing 180 degrees, there is a lot of mocking to be done because the internals of this company is an absolute mess.
0: Yeah, but let's just remind ourselves and everyone else, big companies are an absolute mess. That is a rule. I have learned that over the past 16 years. Nobody knows what they're doing. Big companies are an absolute mess inside. It's the same everywhere, every company. Some of them, It's more exposed to the world than others. And I think that here, actually, it was quite brave of Volkswagen to have gone into as much detail as this and to open the door as wide and say, yeah, we really mucked up. Mm. Now we're having to go back to first principles. And and having the cojones to do that is quite admirable, actually, in a corporate situation.
1: Yes, I, I am happy to see that they are acknowledging past issues and that they are openly saying we are trying to address them. Uh, They needed to, and I'm glad that they are doing it.
0: And saying they're doing something about it as well, and saying what they're doing about it, rather than just going, we're dealing with that. Yeah. Which is so much easier to say. Isn't that good?
1: Yep. There we are. Bit of balance.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) I am going to take us on to Stellantis, though. And in the US, they are restricting the ICE-only vehicles that they sell in 14 US states. Because of the new... Adoption of California's tough emission rules, 14 states won't have internal combustion engine only Stellantis vehicles available on their dealer lots once they've cleared out the ones that are already sat there for however long they've been sat there now. Because there is quite a backlog of some models, yes. Hello, Jeep Compass and Renegade. Do you want to know what the 14
0: states are? Please. They are. Anywhere you'd want to live in the US. Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, Vermont, Virginia, Washington, and as well as that, the District of Columbia, which we all know isn't a state. Minnesota, New Mexico, and Nevada are trying to pass legislation to become carb states as well and to also copy the Californian regulations. There we go.
1: Do you want to take us to the next news item?
0: Yes. Motorists are cutting back on servicing amid the cost of living crisis. This one's a report by Volkswagen Financial Services. They get everywhere, you know. The <laughs> uh, and the story uh, that's linked in the show notes is from John Evans and Autocar. But it's pointing out that basically, the cost of the living crisis is splitting people into two different camps. There is one group who is just not maintaining stuff. Mm-hmm. They're cutting back on vehicle maintenance to save money. And the other is people who are worried they're not going to be able to replace their car, so they're just getting... Everything serviced and repaired, and so if something needs fixed, it gets fixed straight away, yeah, because the idea is to to try and save on high repair bills in the future and just making sure they maintain the socks off stuff, so that if we're in interest rates next rise or anything else like that, then they're not going to be caught by that. they own the vehicle outright, et cetera, et etc, et etc, and they maintained it properly. interesting one there showing that slip, so say one side people just aren't on the other hand car dealerships and garages are very, very busy because other people are just getting everything fixed. Yeah. Of course, used cars are worth more these days than they used to be, so it is worth investing in fixing older vehicles. Yeah. Definitely something we're seeing over here in the US, by the way. Mm. The Car Wizard YouTube channel, I don't know if any of you watch that. Well, now he understands the Citroen DS, you can watch it again, European car people. But uh, when it comes to other stuff, he does tend to talk quite a lot of sense. That was a voyage of discovery, I think. It does talk lots of sense, and one of the things he's saying is it makes more sense to do more in-depth repairs on vehicles, uh, certainly over here, just because stuff's so crazily expensive. It's worth dropping six or seven thousand dollars in some cases into an older Toyota pickup to get all the suspension right, because it's worth fifteen, twenty thousand.
1: Well, there's also the there's the cost of repl- buying a new car now or leasing a new car. Hmm. Your deposits are getting ever bigger. Yeah, your monthlies are getting bigger, so mm-hmm. people. It turns out to be cheaper for someone to keep a car going longer. Which is a good thing, because if we go back to the story from Stellantis last week about we should be keeping cars going for 15 years on the road. This is part of that, I think. Mm, It is. I will move us on now. And there have been some new sentencing guidelines for motoring offences that have been published. This comes from the Sentencing Council. There is a link in the show notes to uh, check out exactly the full details. But to quickly cover it, they are about death by dangerous driving, careless driving under the influence of alcohol, drugs. There's also about being disqualified, unlicensed, or uninsured. They have revised guidelines and new guidelines. Some of the new guidelines also include causing injury by wanton or furious driving, where that's essentially aimed at people who take off road vehicles and hoon them around parks or fields and hurt someone or kill them the atvs and all that sort of stuff
0: atvs it's uh, hair courses in fields things off the public road
1: but interestingly there is also one for cyclists causing death or injury at any location hmm. if you want to know what the changes are or the guideline changes are you can click through the link in the show notes
0: Obviously, the best way is to not know what any of these things are by not doing any of these things.
1: Well, quite.
0: I think some of us have seen people doing bad things with vehicles and the police saying they've been unable to do anything about it mm. because it doesn't fit into any of the categories they have. So this has widened that now, yeah. um, which should mean that there are powers to crack down on antisocial and just bad behavior. Uh, wherever it might be occurring even if it's not between two pavements
1: agreed do you want to take us to london now and see uh, which council is coming up with the more insane parking rules
0: there does seem to be a small competition going on in london and that seems to be to make the most incredibly complex parking rules uh, and fee structures possible let's start with lambeth shall we They will be introducing emissions-based parking fees, depending on how polluting your vehicle is seen to be, or whether it's a diesel, because there's a bonus surcharge, you should fall into one of 26 different possible charges to park for a single hour.
1: 26.
0: And that's according to The Guardian. Cost of a parking bay near Waterloo Station, South London, now ranges from six pounds thirty to thirteen pounds twenty-three per hour, and you can only pay using an app, which, of course, is wonderfully inclusive. Mm-hmm. Oh no, it's the opposite. It's the yes. opposite. Try presenting my mother, who is relatively tech-savvy, with having to pay for her parking in an app. Ain't gonna work. Nope. There's a consultation uh, on the charges introduced on the thirtieth of May. And yes, uh and that's about pricing structure for residence parking permits, which I don't expect to be any less complex, in fact possibly worse. But the cost of the highest band for that has risen from three hundred and forty pounds and seventy three pence to five hundred pounds, plus an extra one hundred and forty pounds if it's a diesel that doesn't comply with Euro six emission standards. It's worth mentioning that Lambeth is already inside the ULES zone, so you will already be paying a bonus extra fees to the mayor. For just being in that vicinity, should you be unfortunate enough to be in that vicinity.
1: 59% of responses to the consultation objected to the proposals. Lambeth implemented the changes despite the opposition, stating that air quality is a major public health issue and a wide range of interventions is required. The ULES was not enough. Fine.
0: This is the mayor of London's cracking one, which is basically if you say, are you sure about that? then the response is to point Fingers and go, you're killing people, you're killing people, you're killing people! Yeah. As a direct response to, to any of these. Islington is being similarly obscure. But they don't want to be outdone, do they? In the charges. No, no, no. There is it's, it's grim up North London and all that kind of stuff. So they've also, they've introduced pay and display charges on motorbikes as well. <laughs> in designated motorbike bays. Yeah, oh gee. You get 50% reduction if you're electric, which is of course clean. Supposedly, just oh, I don't know. I just it's so depressingly stupid. But there's
1: a seven-band parking permit scheme for residents. Yeah, which includes which includes EVs and is based on the size of the battery. So it ranges from fifty pound for a battery size of one to thirty nine kilowatts per hour, and it moves upwards.
0: One kilowatt, one to thirty kilowatt. What what fits in that category?
1: Uh, a leaf,
0: an e scooter
1: is an old a- leaf. No, I 39? suppose it does, yeah. Anyway, so what is one of the most interesting quotes here is because, you know, everyone is told to get an EV because there is zero tailpipe emission and it is healthier for the planet and all the rest of it, and you will not be charged by councils and etc. cetera. So people have rushed to do that and are still trying to do that, as we can see every month on the new car registration figures. But... Islington has stated that the battery technology has improved so significantly since the introduction of EVs around 2010, and there are now very large electric SUVs and sports cars where there is significant carbon imprint from the production and recycling of the battery as well as the overall emissions. We are repeatedly told that the emissions for production and recycling is lower than if it is an ICE. And I know it's, there was a, the recent hoo-ha with Rowan Atkinson brought this to the fore again about how quickly a, an EV gets to CO2 neutral and then negative as it moves forward through its life on the road. But oh, just say you, you don't like cars. We want to ban cars. Just, just be honest because they go on about how they want people to do active travel, low traffic neighborhoods, etc. etc. Make sure that the options are there for people. And I know it's much better in London than it is anywhere else in the country. Hmm. However, turns out the tube isn't very good for our health when it comes to emissions. Uh, oh, I just wish people would be honest. I'm fed up with the dishonesty. Mm-hmm.
0: Should point out that this is, so this is a Labour-run council, whereas last week's story about everyone fighting against the EU layers were all conservative. Yeah. run councils so there is there is a a party political break in in this as well division between the two it seems
1: there is right i'm going to move us on from that uh, and talk about which is another contentious issue but a uk firm launches plant-based biofuel for classic cars coryton has a biofuel so that it says is suitable for any petrol vehicle but their low bioethanol content makes them perfect for older cars now, this stuff is not, as you would expect, uh, comparable with the price of going up to a petrol pump at your supermarket or regular forecourt. Mm. We are talking for Super 33, whatever that is.
0: It has at least a third of renewable content and is equivalent to 98 Ron, the same okay. Super
1: That's £3.80 a litre. Super Mm -hmm. 80 is £4.65 a litre. And Racing 50 is from £5.24 a litre. I don't think, considering what it is, that's massively outrageous in any way.
0: Not really. And this, by the way, is aimed specifically at the classic car market because it has a low bioethanol percentage in it. So whilst it's renewable, it is not e-whatever. And that means it's not going to mess with your seals and your fuel pipes and your fuel hoses and all that kind of stuff. That's possibly one of the reasons uh, that this is more expensive. Yeah. Uh, but it's not intended. You know, those prices, uh, and also I'm sure it's availability, means it's not intended as everyday fuel.
1: No, and the the amount that they can produce as well will be limited. Yes. But, and on the downsides, obviously it still involves burning something Mm. Uh, in the engine because that's just the nature of these things however it is another option and i don't think we should ignore the fact that there are options out there that are helping in small steps to improve the air quality and still enable us to use the cars we love mm-hmm. uh, and we want to see on the roads this is an option for a niche
0: market yeah. and, uh, and i think that's pretty good it requires minimal differences and changes to the vehicles too so sometimes where it's, it's just originality is key you can keep on using this kind of fuel. Again, that tiny, tiny percentage of anything. Yep. A UK battery tech company that nobody's ever heard of called Nyobolt. We had some debate over the pronunciation. It's N-Y-O-Bolt. It has conferred plans to begin EV battery production by 2026 and will open a new assembly line to its production facility in Asia next January. So the company's based in Cambridge, and it has come up with this super rapid charging battery. And it's going to start that large volume production within 18 months. Uh, they're saying that eventually uh, it will target battery production in the UK, as everyone seems to eventually be targeting battery production in the UK. The big deal about this battery is that it can be fully charged in six minutes with 80% charge available, achievable in in four minutes. That's quite impressive in itself.
1: Yeah, they can make that happen. That's that's
0: amazing. I mean, there must be some pretty clever... It's
1: got to be solid state at that point, hasn't
0: it? Yeah, it's, it's how on earth you could... Because I know it... that's the it's unicorn, the keeping it cool. it? It's the keeping it cool. Yeah. It's the keeping it cool whilst charging it. The CEO says the firm's now fo- is, isn't fo- focusing on energy density as other manufacturers are. Its approach is to optimize existing technology and provide enough range with a short charge time as opposed to maximizing range at the expense of time spent at the plug. Niobolt has 50 people in the UK, 30 in Boston, uh, and they're responsible for anode research and cell design. Uh, so yes, a small team in Asia doing the manufacturing.
1: Excellent. Again, like like the last article, this is pushing the boundaries. It's, a, it's another option. It's another way to make mm-hmm. the alternative way that we have got used to fueling vehicles uh, more practical and more usable for us, the consumer. So mm-hmm. good luck, and I hope it works. Andrew,
0: do you want to tell us about JLR doing absolutely the opposite?
1: Yes, JLR have selected a battery partner for their 450 mile electric cars. The Indian company Agritas are going to supply the packs of up to 120 kilowatt per hour capacity for future Jaguar and Land Rover electric cars. Slight fly in the ointment here is that they're not sure whether they'll be ready for the... Uh, the new electric cars that are due to come out shortly.
0: I'm sure this must have been a very, very difficult decision in which a lot of, uh, a, a number of different suppliers were approached uh, and quoted and everything. Uh, but it just happens that Agritas is owned by JLR's parent company, Tata.
1: Ah, okay, yeah. It must have been tricky.
0: That must, have, yeah, must have been a tough one to go with that choice. I'm sure there were no political pressures at all on that particular choice.
1: No, none at all. Mm -hmm. The uh, new battery that apparently they are developing will allow rapid charging and add an extra 200 miles of range in 15 minutes, apparently. We are still waiting to hear whether the large battery factory, I'm not saying the other word, will be built in the UK or Spain after we were promised by the BBC News exclusive that we would be told three weeks ago that it would be the UK.
0: Mm -hmm. Initially, they are expected to come from Gujarat in
1: India. Do you want to take us to Wales, though, to, f- to round out the first part of the show?
0: Yes. Welsh Government's to invest £50 million to increase EV charging provision. The Deputy Climate Change Minister, Lee Waters, uh, has confirmed the 15 million million in funding, uh, and it's to help local authorities across Wales to increase the number of charging facilities ahead of new fossil fuel vehicles being phased out in 2030. This follows a previous £26 million investment. Uh, since 2021 which has enabled 1600 new charge points to be installed so yes long may that continue
1: you say that though 1600 charging points put in wales Uh That map has 1800 on it yes for wales of which 360 are rapid that was my
0: next point was to be maybe they'll get some more rapid charging points i was just trying to work out how to say that well remember when we did charge many years ago now We just missed out Wales. We had to miss out Wales. There just was no rapid charging infrastructure that was certainly no coherent. I think there was a charger, a rapid charger, uh, on somewhere midway down on the coast, and then one at Cardiff, and we just couldn't do it. Wales has been so slow, so, so slow, that, quite frankly, having 360 rapid charging points is one heck of an increase over the short period of time they've been doing this. Because yep. they were so incredibly backwards at the, begin- at the beginning. Anyway, yep. rant down. Uh, there's uh, £900,000 uh, been granted to Cardiff Council to roll out more EV charging points in the region over the next two years as well. Oh, and to provide wrapping charging infrastructure for 12 electric refuse collection vehicles um, as part of their fleet of 78. Good.
1: Which is a good use for EVs. Let's end on that positive charge. Let's a positive
0: charge. Thank you. He'll be here for the next 20 minutes or so. Uh, But that brings us to guilt minute. Quick break and show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running. Uh, If you feel the Motoring Podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. Different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. We also have a small range of merchandise in our spring store from stickers to mugs and t-shirts. And, uh, those of you who are watching the video can see Andrew and I both boasting different formats of motoring podcast mug. Uh, if you don't have any spare cash, and we completely understand, then you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released, and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all that and some of you do so, thank you very much. Then the last thing you can do is to recommend us to your friends or colleagues. Thank you,
1: everyone that does. I will leap into new new car news. And this is headed up by Renault, but the software Republic h1 st vision, which according to this auto car headline, promises technology revolution, is a concept fantasy car <laughs> filled with concept fantasy technology that is apparently concrete and operational
0: This is a wonderful translation from the French here,
1: yes mm. Mm-hmm. So there's a bunch of uh, French companies have got together uh, with Renault and they are showcasing what they think a future cars will be and the technology they will have inside them.
0: It's basically a who's who of, of French tech companies, really. Uh, it's uh, Atos, who you probably never heard of, Dassault, who you possibly heard of, uh, Talos, who you probably have heard of, uh, a semiconductor maker called ST Microelectronics, who I've never heard of, uh, Telecommunications giant Orange, who you will have heard of, and Renault Group, who there's a possibility you've heard of given you're listening to this podcast. Yeah, I mean, this is... This is... Let me list the tech. Let, let, let Andrew raise his blood pressure by listing the tech, but it's never going to happen.
1: This is broken up into um, various categories. So we'll start with convenience, as it is in this article. You're going to be able to use biometric to unlock your car. You don't need a traditional key fob, and it just uses your face, your name, height, and gate to register you as, as a user of the car, cameras in the door mirror recognize you walk up as you approach the car ah. it then asks if you want to be let in and you say yes do you want to come into the car we oui. The system is going to store all your uh, information in a allegedly secure digital ID wallet hmm i mean it is I mean, it's full of
0: stuff uh, it can analyze facial expressions. Suggesting breathing exercises if you become frustrated. Uh, if you're unfit to drive or experience a medical emergency behind the wheel, the car will set will sell the health data to an assistance. S- did I say sell? I meant send the <laughs>
1: if you're unfit- Well, no, you, you raised this this is the point that right, if we if we okay, we start with the convenience <laughs> bit about the biometrics. For starters, why expose yourself as a company to the the risk? of this stuff being got access to by naughty people. I know. As we've seen from repeated news articles recently, to do, just on this show, let alone in mainstream news, companies can't keep control of this data through either their own ignorance, willful neglect, or through other companies that they contract to, mm-hmm. where we see the likes of Boots and British Airways are stuffed, because, or they're... HR stuff or stuff because of a supplier's poor software. Then, why expose yourself to the risk of having this information for no real good reason, just to go? Oh, look! I just walk up and say yes to the car. Yeah, you, you are capturing so much personal GDPR information. Tesla had to switch off their cameras because they were uh, they had grabbed far too much of the uh, environment hmm. and that was a gdpr and privacy invasion so why have it that it recognizes you're coming up so that means it's monitoring for ages so that can't happen legally so that's that's fantasy one out the way but lots of this
0: can't i mean this is this is techno wouldn't it be wonderful this is what in theory we can do
1: no but they're, they're claiming that it's ready to go they're, they're they are making the statement it's ready to go and it's not or it's illegal or it's actually going to lie, like the, monitor, the, the facial recognition, uh, the, the facial expression mm. recognition stuff. That's just a lie. One: no group of scientists across the, the globe have agreed on what emotions there are. So if you're there saying, "Oh, I can spot your emotions there and send you some soothing music," that's a lie. You are guessing, you are making things up." But that information will then be sold on or used to make judgments about you as a person that are based in factually incorrect information. And that's not right. And you won't have the chance, because if it pulls you over because it's decided you're having a medical emergency or something, when you're, when you're not, it will alert the emergency services that goes against your record, etc. It's so dangerous what they are doing or suggesting they're gonna do because of the implication it has to us as individuals. It is unnecessary for them to do this, and it is is just exposing them to huge amounts of class action lawsuits.
0: Agreed. The biggest lie is that it's going to be able to immediately set up a video call with a doctor, though. (laughs) Only if you happen to have an accident and are able to call exactly on eight o'clock in the morning, the the day that you wish to have the video call. So there's lots of stuff here. I mean, it is, uh, as I was saying, you're right. But also, this is just a showing off of, here's all the things we could do if we were allowed to do them, or assuming a perfect world, this is the stuff you could do. Mm -hmm. And obviously, they're going to be trying to flog that tech into others and all sorts of stuff. And I know that. And we all know, I think we're we're all pretty much aware these days of the potential privacy concerns. I mean, it does say that it will send the aforementioned health data to an assistant service brackets with your permission before, you know, obviously the unrealistic video call with a doctor.
1: Yeah, it depends how that permission's gained as well. Well, because exactly. Is that, is that by one OEM's permission, which is, if you use our car, you sign up to it, or you don't use our car, yeah. or is it more specific?
0: Yeah, it's there's lots of stuff like that which just isn't covered here, because, hey, look at our concept car. And I think mm-hmm. that, hey, look at our concept car, is as far as the thinking has gone in this case, uh, let the lawyers mm-hmm. deal with all the other stuff afterwards. Anyway, should we move on? Other another Renault story.
1: Yeah, this this is the interesting bit though that came out from, or for me, I found interesting rather than enraging, which is that the they talk about the vehicle to grid tech, and and this is specifically to do with the Renault Five, uh, and how they feel that's going to uh, cut charging costs for owners uh, up to fifty percent. They claim. Now I've always been curious about this. I don't see the selling point really. Of The fact that the grid can get if you allow it, the grid can take your energy away, so I think it
0: works and obviously the idea is that it's high periods of high demand they 'd be doing this, so they're paying you a highish amount of money to take the money from you to take the charge from your vehicle, and then you're paying a low amount when the grid is is not busy at all to then replenish that energy yeah and so the idea is that you are earning some money back, essentially, against your, your electricity bills. I think it's a, and I think that the idea is you can do that if you're someone who most of the time doesn't need to use all of the, the, the energy in, in your battery. So you've got a car with 200 mile range, and normally, you know, every day you do 30 to 50 miles, then there's plenty of spare in there mm. that can be used up and that will be, and you know, the whole thing will be ready for you the next morning or whatever. And I think that that's that's a, a a lot of it. I think it's a byproduct also of being able to use the battery, the energy storage device in your car, for other things. So it's not just V to G. I think it's a side effect of also being able to to let your car power other things. Yeah, you know, the Ionic Five, Kia EV6, for example, let you do that consider a you know battery degradation people go oh battery degradation it's not the issue people thought it was or it doesn't seem to be the issue that people thought it was mm. that was going to be
1: i mean i don't know the tech but that Im- immediately makes me worry about how the the energy is drawn from the battery and whether that is a potential issue obviously these companies must have discussed this they must have planned for this they must have tested this, this. has been says, around hopefully. this
0: has <laughs> been around for a while it has been even current and previous generation Nissan Leaf has been able to do that. There has been testing. This is not a brand new idea. It keeps being mm. talked about. So, I, I, personally, it's been going on for long enough that I wouldn't worry too much about it. Yeah, it's not something I would be be bothered about. Okay, couple of stories from Neo next. Two vehicles coming in. The Neo EL6 is a SUV, again, Neo uh, sort of rival. Well, the ER6 is meant to be a rival to the QA e Tron Mercedes Benz EQC. It is the firm's best seller in, in China. And it, uh, there are no specs here. There are no specs here. Oh, yes, there are. And it uh, offers two, four 482 brake horsepower, should you desire, and a 0 to 62 time of four and a half seconds, should you feel the urge. So yes, it
1: looks quite smart. Does about three hundred miles as well.
0: Yeah, and it's just, it's Neo selling in Denmark, Germany, Netherlands, and Sweden. Not quite in the UK yet, but it is expected to be in the UK relatively soon. They've got a country manager in place, for example. Yeah, and is planning battery swap uh, facilities too. Other vehicle that's come along here that Neo brought in is the idea of the et5 touring again same drivetrain 482 brake horsepower it's a bmw i5 touring size rival so we're not talking mg style small hatchbacks here uh, and it's it's a handsome thing it's very low it doesn't look like as you know it's it's not an suv it is very definitely an estate car uh, it is very low it's quite long it is also very wide Uh, that's his biggest challenge i mean it looks kind of you could almost be forgiven for thinking it was a porsche from the back if you hit the badges it's a handsome thing actually again expected to to appear sometime 2024 ish
1: yep good another estate thank you yes last but not least taking us out of the realms of reality though (laughs) and it is the mercedes-benz c111 or c111 and it is there concept vision of electric supercars it's a two seater gullwing door race inspired and also has apparently radical motor tech from yasa the british battery motor firm what mercedes are claiming is a progressive interpretation of a 70s brand icon i think it looks amazing it's it's nuts and it looks like nothing on the road of course it will never go on the road but
0: it's a proper concept car everyone
1: yeah it is hot wheels it is poster worthy and i i love it yes I, like like last week and the week before there's been a car in each of the new new car news where you just go we'll never see it or will there to be so rare but i don't care cuz i love the fact someone's done it mm,
0: exactly exactly and i've always loved the original c c111 so sort of test cars as they were they actually brought quite a lot of um color Tested lots of early diesel tech. Well, not early diesel tech, but early consumer diesel tech and all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, This is a fantastic kind of hot orange, metallic, whatever color with loads of flake in the paint and stuff. So it looks, the highlights and the low lights look superb. It just, it's it's got a silver interior. It's just proper 100% concept car. I wish it were possible to see it at a motor show and actually see it in the flesh. Goodness knows it's probably going to go straight to the Mercedes-Benz Museum.
1: I think whoever designed the seats had been watching a lot of Barbarella. It is, it is. So it's, <laughs> yes,
0: yes. A diamond pattern, silver, you know, metallic silver leather, and sort of, ah, oh, just cool. Really cool. I love it. I love it. If you haven't seen pictures of it and don't know what we're talking about, obviously link in the show notes to this Autocast slideshow. It's really cool. Yeah. I yeah. shall stop saying cool eventually.
1: No, it's, it's very clean. Lovely-looking design, which uh, we've rarely been able to say recently.
0: Yes. Let's move on to points of interest, though. And first up, obviously, is the Lunchtime Read. And this week, it's from Haggerty. It's by Dan Cogger. Uh, And it's about Furio Concorso. Yes. As you said in the intro, Andrew, it's an excuse to visit Lake Como. It's It's a show that covers three of Lake Como's big waterfront villas of Grumello, Belvedere, and Olmo and it's it has sort of the not necessarily the expect the the normal suspects stuff from endurance racing classic racing cars uh, more modern classics as well pictures here are great it looks like a fantastic show and of course uh, despite the fact that it seems to have been absolutely bucketing down with rain most of the time uh, by the looks of the puddles and the water lovely cars on the shores of Lake Como Probably still yeah. cheaper to fly there, do a weekend, and come back than going to Goodwood, to be honest. Sad but true.
1: Yeah, the pictures are, are glorious, and like you say, it's, it's cars that you don't see all the time mm. at, all.
0: at all. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. Click through the link on the show notes as ever. I will now take us to the list of the week, and this is a, from a Great Driving Days, and is our 10 favourite classic saloons. Mm-hmm. Now, I had a little run-through of this earlier with Alan and we both went ooh, ah, oh, mmm a lot. Even though there's only ten. There are no bad choices. This is incredibly tricky, this one. So Alan, now you've had time to think more. <laughs> have, you, have you picked one? Can you, can you pick one? Uh, I, I'm going to
0: pick one and I'm going to choose the Alpha Romeo 164. Um, Excellent choice. Particularly in sort of Twin Spark guys, uh, as I think that's the spec that's shown here. It's. I've just always liked the one six four. It is. It is a fantastic looking car. Pininfarina designed, of course, shares the same underpinnings as the as the Saab nine thousand, the Lancia Thema, and the Fiat Chroma. But um, despite that, it's it's lovely. Yeah, completely illogical dashboard as well of just rows of buttons. But
1: yeah, still would do. Click the link in the show notes and uh, tell us if you agree with Alan's choice or whether you had to wrestle with your conscious and pick something else
0: and finally this week is it's almost a follow-up really isn't it the hot wheels legends tour uh, returns for 2023 they have some sets to, hot wheels have some sets to give away uh to lucky motoring research readers or well, motoring research have the sets to give away uh, so do click through uh it shows the sets of all the sort of all, all the winners over the years. Uh, the UK final will be part of the Radwood Car Show at Mister Heritage on the second of September. Mm-hmm. Judges for twenty twenty three include TV presenter Helen Stanley, television's Paul Cowland, and uh, friend of the show, uh, also friend of the show, uh, Sniff and Sniff podcast, Richard Porter. Yep, do click through to this story. And follow it through, and uh, find out how you can win.
1: See whether another Brit wins.
0: Yeah, fingers crossed. That'll be good. Yes, ain't no saint was the one that won last year. Volvo P P18- eighteen, uh, Volvo P eighteen hundred Gasser Dragster. For those of you who, who 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 don't really remember that, Andrew, there's one parish note this week.
1: Yes, uh, due to my malingering illness, we have had to delay our planned special editions. Yes, that's plural. Uh, one of which was our listeners' car dilemma, where we asked you to send us your criteria or requirements for a car, and we were going to come forward with some suggestions. We're due to uh, set up a recording time for that again soon. If you have new criteria, or if you didn't have any criteria but do now, when we last asked, do please get in touch with us or, or get in touch with the show directly and let us know what they are. And we will uh, put our thinking caps on mm-hmm. and come up with one or two ideas that we think could fit and meet the needs that we are presented with. Yes, absolutely. I'm very much looking forward to that one.
0: Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, I'm looking forward to recording some of the others as well that we've got. We've got lined up. I mean, we planned to do them a month and a half ago. These things happen. These things happen. Anyway, I think that that's us for this week, isn't it, Andrew? I do believe so. So everyone, don't forget between now and next week and give us any feedback. Share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook and on the contact page at motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Remember, you can support us financially via Patreon and please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. In the meantime, Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you?
1: Best way to get in touch with me is if on Twitter and Mastodon, you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. Alan, if people would like to get in touch with you personally, what's the best way for them to do that?
0: Uh, Similarly, it's Twitter and Mastodon, where I'm at AJPBradley. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. As I said, we'll be back very soon, but until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.